Hello, this is Brian Croft. I'm the senior pastor of Auburndale Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm also the founder of Practical Shepherding. A few years ago, I started a blog about the daily work of a pastor, and that blog has grown into the various ministries of Practical Shepherding. We want to come alongside pastors who are laboring in the trenches of pastoral ministry to encourage and to equip them. And that's why we started this podcast, Trench Talk. So we hope this podcast encourages you and your church as we continue our conversation about the pastor's work. To find out more about Practical Shepherding, visit our website at practicalshepherding.com or you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome and thank you for joining us for Trench Talk, the podcast produced by Practical Shepherding. This is a podcast by pastors for pastors. We want to start a conversation that helps you think through the practical trench work of ministry. Each episode, we're going to consider questions related to some aspect of the pastor's work. Today on our show, we're discussing a topic that doesn't get enough attention, and that is the ministry of visiting those in our congregation who are sick or in the hospital. I want to introduce you to our conversation partners for the show. I'm your host, Josh Scher, and I have with me two of the other pastors of our church, Brian Croft, the founder of Practical Shepherding, along with Scott Wells, the executive director of Practical Shepherding. Both men serve as pastors here at Auburnale Baptist Church, and they're bringing decades of ministry experience, especially concerned with getting into the trench work of the pastor's ministry. Brian, I want to start by asking... <clears throat> if visiting the sick is something that pastors should really prioritize. So we all have very busy schedules. Is this something that we should carve out time for to make this happen? Well, the obvious answer is yes. But the reason you're asking the question is because I find that this is not becoming a priority more and more. It's getting squeezed out of the pastor's schedule. And I would also say that especially in the younger generation, that there's a, there seems to be a struggle in seeing the value and the need uh, to engage in this kind of work. But I would, I would say not only is it essential to make a priority, I think it's, it's one of the most important things that a pastor is supposed to be engaging in if he's looking for the key opportunities to care for his flock well. How did you come to these kinds of convictions? Was this something that uh, you were told to do early on by a mentor or by another pastor or did you just kind of see this, this need in the church? I think the two things kind of happened at the, the same time. I started to realize that, well, first thing I'll say is that the two most, I think one of the most strategic places to do ministry towards most effective is the hospital room and the, and the funeral home. And I would say that those are the two places that especially younger pastors seem to be running from the most. And I'm trying to advocate that that's actually the two places we need to be running to the most uh, to be able to do effective ministry as pastors to our to our flock. So I just realized that early on that when people are suffering and in desperate need and, and potentially facing life and death issues, those are some of the key times to to minister the gospel and people are most uh, receptive to the to the hope that we have in God's word. But I, will, I have to also add that, that early on, before I came to Auburndale, when I was doing associate pastor work, there was this part-time, retired, older pastor who did, some hospi- who did some pastoral care and hospital visitation in this large church that I was on staff at. And this man w- was 
kind of labeled the master of the hospital room when he was introduced to us as staff. And I just, I just was intrigued by him. And so I latched on to him and he took me to hospitals and I learned a lot from him as a pastor, uh, as far as a pastor visiting hospitals from him. But for me, it started before that. My, my father's a, a family doc. So even when I was a, a kid, 10, 11, 12 years old, my dad, who was a Christian, used to take me to, to do home visitations and hospital rounds. And I watched him care for sick people, both physically, but then I watched him minister spiritually to them. So this has really kind of been a big part of my whole upbringing. What are the risks that a pastor faces to his ministry and to the life of the church if he's not doing this, if he's not visiting the sick? First and foremost, uh, disobedience to the word. James 5, if anyone is sick, let the elders come and pray over him. That's weighty enough, and I think that ought to weigh heavily upon him. Um, But he's going to miss out on some of the benefits as well. Uh, There is something about the relationship between a pastor and uh, the souls of those that that he is shepherding that is knit closer together when you weep with those who weep. And you are missing a a great opportunity uh, to minister to them if you forego this great biblical responsibility that's weighed upon us. Yeah, there's I have examples of uh, folks in the church in the early years who are really struggling with me, even some who are hostile to me over some different issues in the church, and there was a lot of conflict and disagreement. And I have more than one example where I went to visit that person when they were sick and in the hospital, and it totally disarmed them from their hostility towards me, and our relationship changed from that moment on because of just one visit in the hospital when they were when their life was in danger and they weren't sure if they were going to come out of it to come and minister. So I, the Lord uses so many opportunities in a hospital room, and when someone refuses to go and do that work and take the time, because it is you got to go to the hospital, you got to plan to do this and that, and you're, you're missing key opportunities to do the ministry you say you're called to do. All right, what I want to spend most of the rest of our time on is is I want I want you brothers to kind of walk me through a a visit. Uh, say you're going to visit somebody in the hospital or in their home. Uh, what what kinds of steps are you going to be taking along the way? And so I kind of want to start um, even before you actually do the visit. And I want to ask how what are some things that you do to prepare for the visit? Is there anything you need to do before you go? Is there anything you should know? Are you going to bring anything with you? Uh, any of those things? How do you prepare for that visit? Well, to start in the, the basic element. Uh, if you're going to a hospital especially, depending on where you live, depending on how close the church is to the hospital, I mean you gotta just you have to make some plans about how much time it takes to go. If you're unfamiliar with the hospital, you can you can eat up more time trying to figure out how to park and get in the hospital and get to the room than you would even spend time in the room with somebody. So you, you have to you have to know some of those logistics and you can do some of that follow up ahead of time. You 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 want to take you definitely want to take your Bible with you and you want to have some passages in mind. So if you if you haven't done this a lot, you, you don't underestimate how easily you can kind of just freeze when you walk in a room and there's tubes everywhere and there's suffering and people are hurting and and it can just be very uncomfortable and you can go blank. So have have passages in mind to be able to read. Have some things already planned that you could pray for the individual. What's going on? Why the person's in the hospital is much. That you can already know about that 
can prepare you for whatever you're going to find. You want to think about whether there's family who might be around that you can then engage when you go see them, since the person you visit may not be very easy to be able to talk to. And there's just, there's tons of things you can do to prepare uh, before you go. How do you even know when it's appropriate to visit? Do you call ahead of time? Do you just show up and see what happens and be sensitive to the situation? How do you know if, if it's even a good idea to go? Yeah. That's a great question, and, and one, there's several answers to it. I think I mean, you can go and just kind of see what the situation is. Go to the nurse's desk and even ask, I'm here to see so-and-so. Is this a good time? You can ask the nurse. If it's a somebody you know, you know, family's up there, you could call them ahead of time. That's always wise to do, but especially if you're a pastor. Typically, people are thrilled to have their pastor come visit them. Maybe not others as much, but some of the pastor or deacon or leader in the church. So uh, typically that's safe. And you go up, but then you want to be sensitive to when you go and especially how long you stay. If, if I could add one facet yeah. to it. Um, Given the nature of chaplaincy ministry, sometimes I'm visiting someone in the hospital and it's because of a suicide attempt. And so they're going to be on a behavioral health wing and they may not allow visitors at that time. So if it's a long distance drive, which frequently it is, I'm going to call ahead of time to see if they're going to allow me back to see them and see what their hours are uh, so that I'm not driving 50 miles for a non-visit. Yeah, and that's also true for it. Just it is a good policy to call ahead if you really want to make sure because somebody could be in a, a, a test that takes half the day is going on, and if you know that, you're not going to go try to catch them. So it's always safe to call and just see if they're if it's a good time. Uh, do you when you go? Do you often go alone? Are you bringing people with you? If you are taking people with you, who are you bringing? Well, I'm. I'm dragging interns with me as much as I can or anybody else who wants to learn how to do hospital visitation. You do want to be sensitive to who you're visiting in that, I mean, you don't, you don't want them to feel like this is some kind of classroom. Uh, but you, so you want to be sensitive to that. But yeah, I'm typically trying to take uh, young guys with me. Um, my wife has come to the hospital with me at times where it's a woman I'm visiting and knows her and would probably be comforted to see my wife's face more than mine. So there's taking other pastors with you or another deacon with you or there's, you know, take a take somebody's Sunday school teacher with them. I don't know. There's plenty of reasons to bring somebody else, but you definitely can go by yourself. All right. So we've done this preparation. We get to the hospital. We find their room. We walk in the door. What next? What do you do when you get there? What kinds of conversations are you having? Uh, you mentioned having scriptures picked out ahead of time. What kind of scriptures do you read? What does that visit itself look like? Yeah, well, there's there's so many things, amazingly enough, that you can talk about in, in these. In, there's several categories that come to mind. I mean, you have the, you have just the really just practical side of how. What do I physically do? You know, so for example, do I stand next to them and hover over them as they're laying in a bed, or do I pull up a chair and sit next to them? You know, those, which is what I would encourage you to do. So you go down, you want to realize you're going in and this person is probably feeling very awkward that they look terrible and they feel terrible and, and they may even feel the, the need to be hospitable to you in some way. So you want to do all you can to be disarming to that. So, you know, try to stay at their level, you know, pull up a chair next to them, have a pleasant, you know, look on your face. I mean, just little things like that, you know, smiling at appropriate times. Uh, not looking like you're afraid to talk to them. 
appropriate touch is all those things matter in trying to disarm some of the things that can make it feel awkward. Uh, but from there, you you know you can read scripture. Uh, you certainly pray with them. You want to go in with key questions that you want to ask them, like you know, what's going on, what's the update, how are you doing. Uh, you, that that allows you to progress into more spiritual conversation if need be. I mean, if somebody's potentially going into a major surgery, you want to try to have the conversation of you know if they stand before God now, what, what, how, where are they with Jesus, and if they're confident that that they belong to Christ. There's all kinds of uh, Things you want to take the conversation to, not just staying on a surfacey level. If there's family in the room, you want to try to engage them. Uh, yeah, those are different things you can do. You mentioned reading scripture. Are there specific texts or just categories of scripture that you have found particularly helpful? I think it depends on the context of uh, what's going on. Is it uh, are they there the result of sickness? Are they there as a result of a trauma? Uh, car accident. Um, I've, I've visited a lot of people who were there because of a suicide attempt. Um, and so we're talking about someone who intended to take their own life. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick some sort of passage of scripture that's going to show them the hope that God offers in continuing in life. I've talked to guys who, uh, soldiers who the day before were running six minute miles and at that moment, they were probably never going to walk again because they'd been drinking and driving and something like that. I don't, in those moments, try to try to fix blame or anything like that, unless I'm specifically asked about it. I'm probably not even going to broach it. I'm just going to to show them the hope that is in the gospel. Uh, I'm going to try to pray for them in such a way that that uh, extend shows them the extension of God's mercy to them in the midst of those things. So I think it's going to be dependent upon the situation. Uh, as a, a matter of confession, I keep a copy of Visit the Sick, Brian's book in my car so that when I'm going on a visitation I'll flip flip through some of the passage scripture that he recommends there and see if any of those might be appropriate that's a good go-to for me on uh, when I'm doing these things yeah so categories on just how God works in suffering um, a category of just scripture talks about eternal life you know the, the hope of suffering ending one day uh, the Psalms and where God is a refuge and strength and is with us um all passages about just about the hope of, of Christ and, and focusing on those those things. When it's sickness and it's difficult situations, those are great. Those are all just great passages, and I think you you follow the leading of the um, the the spirit in that moment. Um, when somebody's about ready to, to die, uh, you know, I read First Corinthians fifteen once to somebody who was about ready to die, and it was it was powerful. And that's not a, typically a passage I read, so. You want to pray for wisdom and discernment as a pastor as you go in. There are a few occasions you go to hospital and it's a and it's a joyous occasion. So when somebody's had a baby, um, Psalm one thirty nine is I love to read to a, a mom who's holding her new baby who just carried the baby for nine months and and, and Psalm one thirty nine explains how how God knitted this child in this mother's womb and has numbered its days and those are just powerful truths in that moment. Sometimes you can even read the scripture that you're preaching that week. So I remember when I found myself in the hospital a few years ago, you read the sermon text that you were going to be preaching on that week from 2 Samuel. And that ministered to me in that moment. It was appropriate. So right now you're preaching through Ezekiel. So I don't know if there are many passages in Ezekiel. There are probably a few that may be appropriate. No, I don't even remember doing that. So thank you for reminding me. I probably won't do that most time, but for some reason I'm glad it was particularly meaningful to you, Josh. Yeah. Uh, Last thing about the visit itself. How do you know how long to stay? 
Yeah, thanks for asking that question because most people answer in, in I would say wrongly in that uh, you think you have to stay a long time. Otherwise, you offend them that you didn't care to stay and all these kind of things. So 10 minutes. I mean, 10 minutes is a general rule. I know that sounds short, but if you've ever been in that situation where you're lying in a hospital bed and you feel awful and you have tubes coming out of you, you haven't showered in days, you know, that's not the time to pull up a chair and stay a while. Go and, and read scripture, check on see how they're doing, pray with them. But 10 minutes is a general, a good general rule. Don't stay any longer uh, than that. Yeah. Could I add that? Of course. Um, I think 10 minutes is a great general guideline. But, of course, each specific detail is going to determine what you're going to do there. So uh, we have here at Auburndale a, a dear sister whose son went uh, through a trauma fall down some stairs recently. And he was in the hospital, and he was unconscious. Uh, so while we were going to visit him and to, to, to pray over him, uh, we were also there for her as well. And so we spent a good bit of time with, with her outside of the room in addition to being with him. So uh, 10 minutes is a great general rule, and that's the one that I typically use but it's also going to be dependent upon the circumstances. Yeah, and that's a great clarification. One of my former interns recently had a baby, and I was on my way up to visit him. He sends me a text and says, yeah, I know what your rule is. I want you to come and stay longer. So there are definitely exceptions to the rule, but as a general template, mm-hmm. 10 minutes is a good rule. Yeah. Uh, so you guys have mentioned even already some unexpected situations will arise uh, on these kinds of visits. Uh, one that, that can come up, um, is if the patient's not in the room, even if you've done your prep work and called ahead, maybe they're having tests done. What do you do if they're not there? Do you just hang around? What, what do you What do you do? Yeah, it's it's very simple, and it's amazing how long it. I wish somebody would have told me this, so that's why I'm glad to mention this now. Uh, I spent I spent years going up back and forth the hospitals when I couldn't see somebody, I'd leave, and then I'd come back, and they weren't, and then they're having a test run, and I, I spent hours doing that. And then it just hit me, just leave a note. And, of course, some of you guys are listening to that going, yeah, I figured that out really seriously. Sorry, I'm a little slow. But I finally figured that out. And that is a wonderful thing to do if you go and they're not there. So when talking and thinking about what to bring with you, it might be good to take a couple of little cards with you. And you go up, they're not there, write a short note, leave it on their, uh, on their bed uh, or on their tray or give it to a nurse to give to them. And that's not only a great way to let them know you were there, you're praying for them, but the Lord has used that in a powerful way through the years in different situations. That person who's lying there for hours and hours and staring at the walls can read that note over and over and over again and be encouraged by that and the fact that you were thinking of them and praying for them. The one other thing I would say to this distress how important this is, is there was a, a dear widow in our church who died a few years ago who was in the hospital in and out for long, many different times through the years and missed her several times. And I wrote her notes uh, around this time I started figuring this out. And I went to see her in the nursing home right before she, uh, not long before she, she passed away. And when I went in there, I'd never noticed it before. But on her wall, she had a, a pinup board and she had every note that I had ever left her and every note that anybody else had ever sent her from the church penned on that board in the middle of the room. And so don't underestimate how powerful that can be if you miss them, just write a note, and you and that is a sufficient way to care for them. That's excellent. Thank you. Um, what should we do after the visit? Uh, is there anything that you guys do to follow up um, with the person that you visited, or is, is it appropriate to update uh, others in the church 
or should we be asking permission before we do something like that? How do you how do you think through? What do you do after the visit? Yeah, I, I certainly ask uh, if it's a sensitive subject, sensitive matter. If I, I feel like they uh, look at it that way, I ask permission uh, to ad- to address others. Um, I certainly try to disseminate that information amongst the other pastors uh, and the church membership if if they're okay with that, so that our people can know better how to minister to them. Uh, if there's an update on when they expect to go home, these are things that our people want to know so that they can help take care of them. Yeah, that's good. I would add that two key questions you can ask is one, always get permission to spread the word on what's going on. So can I update the church on what's going on? And, uh, and then the next question you need to ask is, do you want visitors? So that way you can, when you update people, you can let people know, also, you can go visit, but you need to call first. Or don't visit now, but send cards and, and things to the home, and they can get them there. So that's a great, you know, the church is wanting to help, but they do need some, some shepherding and how to, how to care best for that person. And you're in the position to be able to, to clarify that for them. You, you definitely want to pray at some point before you leave and pray. Um, obviously, all kinds of things you can pray. But um, one important thing I learned and through some different situations is, is praying the gospel in that moment is very helpful, especially if you're going to visit somebody who's not a church member. They may be hostile to you to talk about the gospel, which I've experienced, but I've hardly heard anybody turn me down when I offer to pray for them and they're in a hospital. And you can pray the truths of the gospel f- for them and they can hear it and faith comes by uh, uh, from hearing. So uh, let me encourage you, you can always pray the gospel if you know nothing else to pray in a hospital room when there's issues of life and death at hand. Uh, last question I want to ask you, brothers, is, is how, do we, how do we learn to do this better? Uh, are there any classes or books or internships that provide this kind of training? What, what do we do to grow in this area? I know somebody who wrote a book about this. Yeah? Uh, you keep it with you, too, I do apparently. I keep it with me, yeah. Uh, Brian's book, Visit the Sick, is a great resource for this sort of thing. Uh, it, it, puts, uh, it puts in your hands the resources you need uh, to, to know how to do this and know how to do this well. Other than that, getting out and doing it is going to be the way in which you're going to learn. So does a guy just, uh, just go do it? I mean, does he, does, should he ask anybody before he does it? Should he let his pastor know? Um, or does he just call the person or try to do it? It's, it's ideal to go with somebody who knows what they're doing first. That's ideal. Um, it also depends on, you know, uh, we have a, a brother in our church that was an intern this last year, but he works in the ER. So I'm not nearly as nervous about him being able to just know a hospital and know what's appropriate and things as, as another intern we had who um, just thinks about somebody else's blood and passes out. So it really, you got to know your people and, um, but Generally speaking, it's best to go with somebody who can kind of just teach you and, and show you things, and then be be brave enough to go and, and do it yourself, which is which is hard to do. It can be a scary place to go, and you don't know the situation what the situation is going to be. But uh, that's ideal. Latch on to somebody who can can take you and teach you, and then be courageous enough to go on your own because it's such an effective way to do ministry, whether you're a pastor or not. Brothers, thank you for the conversation. Um, Scott, would you take a moment and just pray for those who are listening that their work would be fruitful as they visit the sick? Certainly. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to minister the gospel uh, to the hurting, to the sick, 
We pray that you would help us to, to bear this mantle well. Uh, may the, the lack of this discipline in pastoral ministry, may, may that fire be rekindled and may pastors everywhere develop a deep abiding relationship with those in their congregation through this aspect of ministry, visiting the sick. We pray, Father, that older pastors would take younger pastors alongside them and teach and train and mentor them so that a new generation would come up and would be faithful to this specific aspect of the calling of pastoral ministry. We pray that you would use this to further your gospel and to make your kingdom grow in the midst of this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Trench Talk. We'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you might have for us. So to get in touch with us, you can email us at brian at practicalshepherding.com or you can contact us through Facebook or Twitter. You can find out more about Practical Shepherding at our website. And at the website, you can find our blog and you can also find information about articles and books that we've published. You can also find out information about our regional workshops where we engage pastors face-to-face to equip them for the trench work of ministry. Until next time, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you as you labor in the trenches of pastoral ministry.